to the Brainstorming Basketball Podcast. I am joined, as always, by Harrison Liao and Yosef Nasser. Let's start with you, Harry. What is going on with you? Not much, man. Um, uh, my girlfriend's in Chicago right now, actually. Shout out to the Bulls. She's visiting some friends, and so I just did a, a Zoom board game night, which was fun. You guys ever played code names before? I, no, I have not, but that sounds incredible. Briefly explain to us what the hell code names is. Oh, dude. Co- okay, honestly, code names is the is the goat board game. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's you. You have to like you lay out a bunch of cards. I'm not gonna do a good job. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. You lay out a bunch of cards in a grid, and then you uh like two people are like the clue givers, and they gotta give some clues as to which cards belong to which team, and you know. That's just that I told you I wasn't going to do a good job. I'm, I'm completely lost, but I'm going to look into that. That sounds interesting, Harrison. And now, Yosef, uh, how are you doing? Good, sir. Buckets, I'm good, man. You know, we're here to talk trade deadline. I think trade deadline as a sports fan, it's one of my five, six favorite days of the year going up there with NBA draft, NFL draft, my fantasy football draft, the Super Bowl, uh, and then I think trade deadline day. Uh, is there anything I'm missing? I mean, it, it, it's it's fun. I want to see the transactions. I'm interested to break down this group. want to see if the Sixers get off of Ben Simmons or not, and they, like, relinquish this hold that they have. They, they stop torching us with this. Like, can we move on? Um, so I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get into this. The only thing that you were missing, and I'm kind of uh, offended by it, was the fact that any day that Kobe White is a starting point guard, I thought that we were all in agreement that that is also one of the best days because it doesn't happen often now. I love Kobe White, man. I think he's a great player. I think he's a can't-miss prospect. I think that he gets a lot of trash, but it's just he hasn't gotten the opportunity. I think he's probably going to be a second- or third-team guy the way that Chauncey Billups is and then carve out a Hall of Fame career. So I'm still in on Kobe White. Second-team All-NBA, yeah. I love that. I love that. So obviously the big news of the day – was the Karis LeVert trade from Indiana to Cleveland. So the trade was Karis LeVert from the Pacers to the Cavs, and the Pacers would get back Ricky Rubio, a protected first-round pick, and two second-round picks from Cleveland. And those picks are not actually coming from the Cavs themselves. So um, this deal obviously seems like on paper a deal that the Cleveland Cavaliers would make if they're very confident in their abilities to go far in the playoffs this season. So I wanted to start with you, Yosef, and I wanted to ask you, what is your overall thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers with Karis LeVert? Do you think that this is a team that can actually maybe win the East or contend for the East now that they have Karis? It's interesting, man, because I... I tend to think that Karis LeVert is a little bit overrated, that he's a little bit of a chucker. And I worry about, you know, does it throw off the shot distribution? Uh, I mean, I think the Cavaliers did better once they lost Colin Sexton. I I get they need depth at the guard position. They need playmakers. I I wonder, first of all, could Karis be a little bit of subtraction by addition? Maybe that's too strong, but just like disrupting the flow and chemistry of things. And even if he does end up helping them, how, how much does he help them? How, like, I don't know if that's – Karis LeVert is enough to swing maybe a second-round team to an Eastern Conference Finals team. I don't know. I, I, I guess the way I'd sum it up is that I do tend to think that Karis LeVert's overrated. I wonder, even if it ends up being a good trade or an average trade, like how much of a difference he can make in the grand scheme of things in the Eastern Conference. Harrison, what about you? What are your thoughts on the deal for the Cavs? Honestly, like I, you know, I was ready to take the exact same angle because I just think Karis is things whatever. But you know what? I think it's a good gamble because it's like Rubio, who I think in the end I just I I feel for him, man, because like he was having a career year, you know, and he's dealt with knee injuries a lot in the past, obviously, Um, and he was such a huge, huge part of that team after they lost Sexton. Yeah, I just feel bad for him that he gets moved off of this of this uh, of this ship. But that being said, I mean he's injured. What are you gonna do? I think the Cavs see a window for them to get better now. And um, what they gave up as picks wise, I mean it's not that bad. I mean they look great now, but the pick is lottery protected, the first rounder. 
Um, the second rounder is it would be twenty four if it were if the season were to end today. It would be the twenty fourth overall pick in a in a pretty shallow draft. So I agree with that. Right, exactly. So it's like what you know what what concrete value are you really giving up to roll the dice on, you know, a guy like Karras who's hasn't shot the ball well at all this year, but we've at least seen the ceiling of this guy to be somebody who can make some plays in a half court setting, which that's what playoff basketball boils down to. You know what I mean? The game slows down a lot. You, you, you need somebody. Cause I can see a world where, you know, it's just Darius Garland trying to create off the dribble, run a high, high pick and roll. And, you know, all of the Cavs, other great players, great young players, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, who's had like a shocking resurgence. Um, you know, they just can't get involved because you need guards. You need dynamic ball handlers to get the, the engine like running, you know, and I think if Karras can make a mental adjustment, not just heave, you know, horrible contested mid-range shots all the time, he has the skills to function as a secondary ball handler like that. So I don't know. I don't hate it. So a couple things about what was said so far. So apparently Cleveland fans are under the assumption. Now, obviously things can change, but they're under the assumption that Ricky Rubio will actually re-sign with the Cavs in the off season. So in that, in that instance, in that case, and legally they're allowed to do this in that case. I mean, you're basically giving up the picks and you're getting Rubio and Levert. And so to me, that's like a no brainer. Now, the thing that I want to ask both of you, the thing that I think Karras gives them that they don't have, and I under, I love Garland, but I think at the end of a game, I would rather have the ball in Karras Levert's hand and let him create. I want to know, who do you guys think, let's start with you, Harry, who do you think would be the Cavs' closer in the last six minutes of a game? And I know that can change from possession to possession, but who do you think if there was only one guy to have the ball in his hands? You know, I don't, I, I've, always, I've always not loved that question. But I will tell you this. It's not going to be Chetty Osman. And I think that's why they made this trade. <laughs> because, like, you kind of need some of those touches where, where Chetty's catching the ball at the wing extended and he's asked to do something that he's, like, a little overextended to do. You're kind of just asking, like you're saying, like, the, at the end of games, at the end of a shot clock, can we just get another guy to do that? It doesn't have to be – we don't have to designate who it is. You know, it's just kind of whoever has it going that night. But I do agree that, you know, Karras has the length. He's got a little bit more of that, you know, herky-jerky, unpredictable style, whereas Garland is, is a lot more kind of straightforward, I feel like, sometimes in the ways that he attacks people. It's, you know, you can almost see the counters that he's setting up, um, but he's so good at them, and he's got such a deep bag of counters that it, it's, it's effective anyways. But the size, you know, is a big difference. I don't know. I, I, I think it depends on the matchup. I do. I think if they go against a team that has, like, that specializes in having, you know, long, rangy defensive wings, then I, I, I don't know necessarily how that's going to play out. I think if they go against teams that struggle against, like, really pacey point guard types, you know, like a Philadelphia, you know, sometimes I see Philadelphia kind of get torched by those guys. It could be Garland. You know, I, I think it's matchup dependent. Yosef, who do you think would be the guy? I, the I think I, I think they, they would toggle between – uh, Karras and Garland, and I think the edge that Karras gives you is that he's he's got the size and kind of the mobility to to get a shot in the mid range that maybe Garland wouldn't be able to get. I was actually looking up these guys' crunch time numbers to see if there's any type of indicator who who the Cavs' leading go to guy in, in the crunch time is. Uh, it, Darius, it was Darius Garland. He he's the guy they go to, only shooting twenty eight percent. And obviously, the sample size is is small, but it's interesting that you know adding a guy and I looked up Karras's numbers too, not much better, thirty one percent from the field. But you know, a, a guy who can maybe have the size, you know, if he's got a mismatch top of the key, can he get to the line? Can he get in the mid range and get a decent look? Like Harry was saying, Chetty Osman is not that guy, and you know, not so. I can see the addition of Karras staggers those guys on the bench a little bit more so they can play in roles that aren't stretching them like Harry's talking about. So from that, from that impact, assuming that he doesn't take a bunch of bad shots, some of the issues that have played him, plagued him in other stops, he can be addition. I still, uh, I still wonder what type of – are we talking about winning a first-round series versus not? Are we talking about, you know, the difference between a 
fringe middle of the pack playoff team to a real Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. But let me ask you guys. I mean, right now the Cavs are at four. I want to go through their potential playoff opponents and tell me does Karis Levert change anything in that matchup? So if they were to play the Sixers, like Harry said, it seems like you guys think that Karis is a big addition for them. Not for the not against the Sixers because they have Tybal. I think it like. I think Matisse Tybal erases any. Like non all star for sure. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. non special. Okay, fair enough. So he doesn't make a difference in that series against the Raptors. Does he make a difference? No, they have so many of those rangy wing guys like Delan, De, uh, Banton, our our guy. You know, Scotty I Barnes, Ananobu, Ananobi, make Karis irrelevant. You know. Okay, so Milwaukee. Oh, I mean, uh, if probably. the Cavs were to fall. They would probably play Drew Holiday on him. The, the thing is that I think that when you're on a team that's 19 and 36, the motivation is just not there. And I really think that Karras is an all-star level player. Now, I don't think that he will do that in his career anymore because of the role that he's going to be in, especially if he stays in Cleveland. But I think his talent is that of a, of a borderline all-star caliber player. So um, I would more so look at what he did on those Nets teams when he was the number one guy in the bubble. And I think that that guy can just get you a bucket when you need it. And I think that that's a guy that the Cleveland Cavaliers, as good as Garland is, I don't think they've had that. So in a series against those teams, he might get locked up, but if he gets locked up, then most likely your number two defender. So if it's not uh, Matisse, it might be Maxi would be on Garland. And in that case, taking the best defender off of Garland might be the win that the Cavs need to get past the hump in the first round. But let me ask going, you back, going back to the big picture of the trade, keeping in mind that like if the Cavs made this trade now, if the Pacers made this trade now, it's an indication that both teams thought this was what the best of, of what they were going to get. So it's like, who are the other names we heard floating around with the Cavs? Dennis Schroeder was his name commonly associated. Um, I think Karras is better than uh, Dennis Schroeder in, in what they need. So, um, you know, the 24th overall pick in about that range in a weak draft, I think that the Cavs cashed in on that asset they were determined to do so and I think that you know they got a decent outcome out of it I don't think they're going to regret necessarily losing that pick I, I mean I also think like it's funny that we're framing this as like okay the Cavs are the Cavs are are pushing all their ships in the middle of the table and they're going all in on this year Karras is still 27 M- maybe he's not the same guy after all these crazy you know injuries he's had maybe he's not bubble Levert you know either as far as just having the same amount of you know, getting the same amount of separation, you know, that's a big part of his game. But he's 27 years old. I mean, he's younger than the piece they lost, Rubio, who might be coming back anyways, as you said. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing to me about guys that are in their 20s, you know, is that they're, for the most part, I mean, this is at least the common thinking, is like they're able to modify their game somewhat, right? Like, you know, depending on the context. And so, you know, kind of like what you guys are hinting at, you know, is, is Karras, is the Karras that we saw in Indiana, is that really who he is as a player? Is it the bubble Karras? Is it, is it somewhere in between those two? And then how much value does that add to the Cavs? But at, at the end of the day, I don't see this being a high risk uh, gamble. I don't know. I agree know? with that hundred percent. No, I, I don't think it's high risk at all. It's just assessing because like, even if let's say worst case scenario happens, he shoots them out of a series, shoots 30% for a series. You know, they can get off that contract without too much damage. And, you know, what'd you lose? Like a scratch-off ticket, you know, maybe 18% chance of getting a productive player at 24. So, and... and Mobley and, and, and Garland and Allen, it's like... Yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're fine. That's, yeah. you know, you take shots. And, and again, I don't think it will get to that point. So, you know, if that's the case, then what kind of upside does the trade give them? And I think that there's still... It gives them a different look at the end of games. You know, I agree with what uh, with Bucket said, with what Bucket said, and that he, he's someone who 
if anything, he can get you a shot. And like you said, Harry, in the playoffs, which is where, you know, you need that type of shot creation. It's just like if he's your best shot creator going up against whoever you want to put on those teams that I ran through, you're probably going to lose the series. But again, I mean, the team has been special despite not having that. So it's going to be fun to watch. It definitely will be fun to watch. I wanted to touch on the other side of this trade. The Pacers are 19 and 36 now. And obviously this has been a disastrous season to say the least. Do you guys think, well, two, two part question. First of all, do you think that if you were the Pacers, you know what, let me backtrack this one, one uh, second. The Pacers this week had tickets that were selling for a dollar, which I mean, for an NBA game to be able to go to an NBA game, I don't care if you're in the nosebleeds for a dollar, the, the fans in Indiana clearly have tuned this team completely out. And I get that they want to have a fire sale and start over. But how bleak can this possibly get for Indiana? That's the first question. The second question is, if you were the Pacers, would you be okay with giving everything away? Is there anything that you would say, okay, maybe Sabonis, I'll hold on to him and hope that, you know, we're still going to bottom out but I, I want to keep one of these guys just so we have some semblance of talent on the roster. So it's not Kiefer Sykes and Dwayne Washington for the next two years, you know, uh, Harry, let's start with you. You know, it's, you know, it's crazy about what you just said though, about the, about Indiana fans tuning them out. It's a dollar. Like usually when you have that kind of situation, you know, with, with the market, it's, it's a, it's a team that never really had a lot of playoff success. Maybe they were, they were an expansion team. Maybe they're in a football town, whatever. Indiana is a basketball state and the Pacers have like a deep playoff history. So it's, that's just kind of, I don't know. It's so sad to me that like this team has reached that level of like unwatchability for its home fans. I mean, this used to be a place where this used to be a place that was bumping, you know, back in the, in the Reggie Miller days or whatever. But, um, I think, you know, um, what's your first question? How bleak can it get? How bleak can it get? Well, I mean, it can get a lot more bleak. I mean, they have an all-star on their team, Demonis Sabonis. They have Miles Turner. Both of these guys are candidates to get shipped out of town. Um, I guess you have Lance for the rest of the year. It can get <laughs> a lot worse. I mean, Rick Carlisle is a coach that I guarantee you they did not hire this guy and tell him, hey, you're going to be tanking. I promise yeah. you that. Like, this is a guy that is notorious for being – you know, a pretty impatient person, basketball mind to, to work with. Like he's, he's a guy that wants results like immediately. And so th- this situation get really ugly, really fast. What was your second question again? The second question was, if you were, if it was up to you as a GM, would you, would, would there be oh, would I tear it? you would keep? Would I tear it down? Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to, right? I mean, wh- how else is this ever going to work, right? You have someone like Sabonis, um, if he isn't moved, you're kind of going to eventually going to be locked into him, you know, for good at a, at a very, very high figure. And I think what we've seen now, like, it's just not, it's not conducive to, to winning basketball games, even in this conference. Then I think you can get a lot back for all, all these pieces right now. So just to, before we get to Yosef, my thing with Sabonis is he's still so young. And if the rest of your roster is going to be so, so poor and you're not going to be paying anybody else, I don't mind giving him whatever number he wants because personally, I, I love his game. But I also could see the side of it where you just are like, let's just completely tear this down. I'm just afraid that if the tickets and the encouragement to go to a Pacer game is already so low, and then now you're going to say, all right, well, let's rebuild for the next three or four years. That fan base, the Cleveland Cavaliers have shown me that you can get a fan base back out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. out of thin air. But it's going to be hard to dig those fans back up and get them excited in the future, especially if you're going to go complete teardown. But I don't know what the right answer is. Yosef, what do you think? I think that they are going to go complete teardown. Um, The only reason not to would be if you didn't think you could maximize the assets that you have, Sabonis and Miles Turner. Like Harry said, I think they're going to get a pretty good return on that. And I think – the reason that they don't have fans is because, or they don't have fans excited about the team is because the team stinks and they don't have any superstar level talent. They've got good players. And when they're all healthy and on the floor at the same time, it's a pretty good team. But unfortunately, whether it's TJ Warren or Malcolm Brogdon, 
Sabonis missed a playoff series with an injury. Turner missed a playoff series with the injury. Victor Oladipo got hurt. He's, he's since been shipped off. They just haven't been able to keep it together. And I think that as long as you're not mismanaging those assets, Sabonis and Turner, and I think there's going to be a high demand for assets. I mean, Karis LeVert just went for a first-round pick. There was, there were people were wondering if he'd go for two seconds. So um, it is a seller's market. Um, I think that now's the opportune time to turn the page, get what you can for these guys, and take a shot at getting at the top of this draft. If the draft were today, they'd have the fifth uh, pick. I'm on Tankathon right now. It's got them with uh, Shaden Sharp. Don't know much about him, obviously, because he hasn't played all season. He reclassified a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, I did one spin that got him to Paolo Boncaro. You, you know how we, we've talked about Paolo Boncaro and his uh, – promise that he has as a shot creator, a shot maker. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get the 24th pick. Maybe you get a nice role player in there, whatever you get for Sabonis, whatever you get for Turner. And then all of a sudden, um, you've turned the page. You've got something different, new, fresh, exciting. It can go wrong. But when you talk about how bleak can it get buckets, I look at all of bad, irrelevant teams kind of on a spectrum. And the way that that spectrum varies is the incompetence of the front office. So like, on that spectrum, you put the Kings at the bottom because they've had horrific um, management for so long. So that's like the bleakest it can get. And maybe above that, you have like a Timberwolves or whatever. And then obviously the Cavs have been down, but they've also had their highs with LeBron. So they're, you know, I mean, they're, they're good now, obviously. They were able to turn it around from what they were last year with an Evan Mobley. And so that's what I think the Pacers should be working towards. Let's get us an Evan Mobley. Let's get us a Darius Garland. And let's get these fans excited again. I Yeah, I mean, listen, if, if they can manage to sit through a few years of ineptitude, then God bless them, because obviously the Pacers have had their fair share of struggles in the past decade dealing with the Paul George saga and whatnot. But, I mean, I totally understand both of your perspectives wanting to bottom out. So it makes sense. But with that being said, speaking of bottoming out – we have to touch on this Brooklyn Nets thing because they've lost eight in a row and they're currently in, in a tie for sixth with Toronto and they're actually in a three-way tie with them, the Raptors, and the Celtics. So technically the Nets are tied between sixth and eighth right now, which, you know, some may say that that benefits them to have Kyrie available in the first huh. round of the playoffs. But I just want to know, First, let's start with Harry. What do you think of the Nets overall, and where are you at with them in terms of their ultimate goal of winning a title? Do you think that it's still something that is possible? Oh, I mean, of course it's possible. I mean, the, the thing with this team is, is what we were just talking about with Indiana. I mean, they just can't get healthy at the same time. We've seen it's been almost, almost two full seasons now, I think. and we, We've seen uh, KD, Harden, and Kyrie play together for – one reason or another for like 10 games or something. And when they have played together, it's not even close. They, they've, they, they really haven't lost. Uh, you know, the only reason why they got booted from the playoffs is Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie went out and then Harden went out against Milwaukee. And then we know what happened. Milwaukee went on to win the chip. You know, I mean, they, this is a team that beat those champion, eventual champions by I think like 40 points. Um, so, of course, it's possible. But the thing is, they're trending down, and those two teams they're tied with, Toronto and the Celtics, are actually trending up. You know, Boston's starting to figure it out. Toronto is starting to figure it out. Um, and, and Brooklyn, this is not like a team, like a super team in the past where they're like, you can sense a, a lackadaisical energy, you know, no sense of urgency. This is a team where Blake Griffin today said, hey, like, we're sounding the alarm right now. Like, we're trying – we're, we're kitchen sink every game right now. And they're getting blown. They got blown out today by the Nuggets by like 20 plus points. Um, this is a team that has Kyrie Irving playing at arguably, you know, the highest level of his career. And they're losing by 20 points every night. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. So, you know, you put all that together. I just don't know if there's enough time. I mean, the NBA season doesn't last forever. It's 82 games. You don't have enough time, you know, coming in as the eight seed that, there's a serious disadvantage there. You can't just ignore. You can't just chalk it up every single time to say, hey, nobody wants to see these guys in the playoffs. Well, guess what? I mean, if you're the eight seed, you're, you're road to the finals. We saw this with LeBron last year, you know, he, when they went up against uh, Phoenix. 
your road to the title is significantly harder if you don't take the regular season seriously, or in their case, you just can't put together a quality regular season. I'm actually going to counter that, Harry. I, I disagree in the sense that let's say the Brooklyn Nets, you know, they're the seven seed right now. Let's say they beat the Celtics in that first game. They secure the seven seed or even the eight seed. They, you know, let, let's say they lose the first one, but they win the second one. They play the Heat and the Bulls. Like, respect to the Heat. They're a very good team. You know, maybe you would favor the Heat slightly over a fully healthy Nets team. Maybe you'd say, okay, Heat and six in that series. But it's like you're still going up against Kevin Durant. My confidence in the Brooklyn Nets is tied to my confidence in Kevin Durant coming off of an injury. You know, uncertain, but if he's Kevin Durant, he's Kevin Durant, and then everybody's in their rightful place. I agree with Buckets in that Harden's lost a step. This is probably, if you go year by year, the biggest dip he's had, you know, probably in his career in terms of, like, his level of play. He's been so consistent. Um, You know, Kyrie Irving, like you said, I mean – He's putting up numbers. He's getting good shots. He's looking like Kyrie Irving. Um, but, you know, the team's losing. Well, I mean, the team's losing because they play three rookies prominently in their rotation, and they're rely- their big men can't, have- can't stay healthy, Claxton and Aldridge. So they're playing James Johnson and washed up Blake Griffin at the five. So it's like what's happening should be happening. But, you know, if Kevin Durant gets back and James Harden gets back, and, you know, we haven't even mentioned the thing that, you know, we talked about uh, a few months ago, like for the Nets, maybe it's not the worst thing for them to, you know, have a lower seed because they're going to be on the road. You're going to get four Kyrie games instead of three, unless the vaccine law in New York changes. So it's like, um, I'm still, I just don't see the floor bottom. I think that Woj said that KD is going to come back sometime after the all-star break in February. Um, you know, I listened to every word, Woj says, you know, the fact that he included in February is telling to me. I think Katie's coming back soon, and I think that um, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I mean, rightfully so, because obviously you guys both hit on it. The talent that they have is undeniable, and when you just stack them up talent-wise against anybody in the Eastern Conference, it's kind of hard to deny the fact that they're going to still be relevant no matter who they play. You know, people are saying this right now about the Lakers, that Oh, nobody wants to face LeBron and Anthony Davis in a best of seven. Yeah, but everyone wants to face Russell Westbrook. <laughs> That's there you go. And and I think you know everybody you, wants to face Taylor Horton Tucker. Yes. I think you multiply that by two when you think about a potential seven seeded Brooklyn Nets, because by that point you would assume, and it's not ever right to assume, but I'm assuming they would be healthy by the playoffs. Um, again, knock on wood, but this team, it's just going to be very, very scary. Like, as a Bulls fan, if, if it's Bulls-Nets round one, that is a nightmare. It's but, guys, that's what we said last year. That's what we said last year with Phoenix and, Phoenix and the Lakers. It is. It is. And, and they lost in, in, like, they lost in five, right? Like, they won the first one, and they, then Phoenix didn't lose a single game until the finals, I think. I think what you said about kind of insinuating that where there's smoke, there's fire, there's definitely some truth to that. If you spent the whole regular season and there was never a moment where you could kind of flip the switch and turn it on for a little bit and you kind of just were lackadaisical the whole way, I think that you're building bad habits and those bad habits, I agree, it's probably going to cost you in the playoffs. But with that being said, as a fan of the Bulls, exactly. I, yeah, I was just about to say it because Harry made the Phoenix comment and, you know, he's right. I think Miami could be this year's Phoenix. Phoenix is, you know, as we learned, you know, they're the best team in the league this year. So, yeah, naturally the Lakers are going to lose to that because Phoenix is a very, very good two seed. Miami is a good one seed. Like, yeah, I, like I said, I would favor Miami in six against the Nets. But the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Derek Jones Jr. is not guarding Kevin Durant. And I don't think Paul is guarding Kevin Durant. So, yes, I would be very nervous. And, you know, I would be calm if I'm the Nets because, like, aside from the habits thing, which is a fair thing, but it's like you don't have your your, your top dogs in there. So, you know, time. But you, you, have, have time. you have two of them, though. And the Harden thing, I just don't think I can sweep that under the rug for me personally. Like, I just think he's such a liability out there when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and when he does have the ball in his hands, he's just not the same guy. So it's like, what are you getting? I think, um, 
I think Bontemps was on Zach Lowe's podcast the other day, and he compared him, he comped him to like Russell Westbrook. Where it's like the guy doesn't have – there's no off-ball movement whatsoever. Oh, okay. I, I, I listened to that episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. The guy, the guy can't shoot anymore. He's, he's just not getting the same the, – the burst isn't there anymore. He can't get to the rim at all. So if the shot's not going, he's like a total zero on both ends of the floor. And it's like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if, like, I can say, yeah, they have three super, superstars. And if you have two stars – you have Kevin Durant, who I think is the best player in the league, and you have Kyrie, who I think is playing at an all-time high – I do put you on that level, of course, with like Miami and in Milwaukee if they can if they can get their shit together. But I don't, I don't, you know, I'm I wouldn't say the Bulls can't beat them. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be something that I feel like is a is a wash. My whole thing is the Sixers want this guy. Ben, are we like <laughs> Yosef, you? You want this? I, I'm I'm skeptical, but I want to hear your take. T- tying the knot together between you know Nets and their tor- turmoil and the trade deadline. Yeah, they're getting Ben Simmons, and we're getting James Harden. No, I don't want James Harden. No, and especially, you know, I, I like to tweet by our friend Greg Mello, who said Tyrese Maxey can't be in a in a James Harden deal. He can't. Untouchable. Untouchable. Like, uh, absolutely not. Like, I think the two guys that I would want for Ben Simmons, you know, and maybe this is pie in the sky, maybe this is not. I like Bradley Beal. I think that he's a little younger than Harden. Um, we don't. We haven't had a guy like him since Jimmy, who can get a bucket like we're talking about with Karis Levert uh, in the, in the fourth quarter of a close game. Um, you know, his stock has declined a little bit from last season to where he might be attainable. And it sounds like the wizard. Like, could he be that surprise guy that we see move that no one's talking about? But you know, both teams rubber kind of meets the road, and then short of that, which is probably the best case scenario, I want Halliburton. This guy can play, man. He had 17 assists the other night. Like, I don't know why Daryl scoffed at that, but it's like, you can't waste a year of Joel. Get me Halliburton. Get me whoever, you know, Buddy Heald if you need to throw him in. Like, call it a deal, man. Like, I'm done with Ben Simmons. We we have to get him out here. We have to we talk about the Pacers turning the page. We've got to turn the page with Ben Simmons. Like, as, as fans, you're, you're, you're doing a disservice to, to, to your customers, man. Like, <laughs> like, turn the page, man. Like, this, is, this is a perfect time to segue to our trade deadline preview part of the pod. So let's let's get into that now. So Yosef, you brought up a great point. The, the trade deadline tends to have common themes that we, yep. that we can look at, different kinds of trades that are similar year in and year out. So you had this topic that you, dis, that you discussed with me off air. So let's bring it on air and discuss sure. those type of trades. Yeah, so like you said, you know, you look at any trade deadline, there are different you can compartmentalize each of the different trades into little groups right so there's the trade that everyone talks about is buzzed about for the entire season it drives everybody crazy and that it either happens or it doesn't so you know Ben Simmons is that guy this year you can look to Carmelo Anthony way back when he was on the Nuggets and people were saying day in day out is he going to get traded he goes to the Knicks Uh, Dwight Howard was buzzed about as a trade candidate you know, would he get traded? He ended up not getting traded uh, when the rumors had him going to the net. So every year there's that guy, you know, the trade everybody is projecting, will it happen or not? The surprise trade, the trade that comes out of nowhere, one that comes to mind for me, you know, you know, maybe a B example of this is Vooch when he got traded to the Bulls. Nobody was talking about that. That wasn't rumored. Just kind of came out of nowhere. Bigger example, you know, that same year that Carmelo went to the Knicks, Darren Williams in the last, like, hour or two, you know, sports center breaking news, Darren Williams going to the net. So that trade that kind of comes out of nowhere, that's not buzzed about. I've got a few ideas of what that can be. We've kind of alluded to that. So, you know, there's that one, the fire sale trade, basically what the Pacers are doing right now. We've got assets. We stink. We're getting off of them. Uh, The contender adding a piece that you mentioned buckets. That's, you know, a few years ago, a perfect example of this is the Raptors getting Palgas or not Palgasol, Marcusol. Um, They end up winning a championship because of it. Um, and, and then, you know, the salary trade, the flots and people trying to, you know, get below the tax, whatnot. Those, those are boring. Nobody wants to talk about those. We want to pretend those don't exist. Um, so ba- basically, those are the categories, if you can think of any more, like, you know, but I think generally, you look at the trade deadline, all the transactions, they can fit into one of those categories, for the most part. Can, can I put this exercise to test? Sure. Yes. How do we categorize the the Robert Covington guy that gets traded every single year to a different <laughs> trade? 
<laughs> That's a good one. I, I think, you know, it, it's theoretically a contender adding a piece, but nobody realizes that Robert Covington <laughs> has not been a piece since the bubble. So. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so cool. let's let's start at the the first one which is the the one that we all see coming and Ben Simmons that's the Ben Simmons one so let's go around and see if we think it will happen or if it won't happen by the deadline Yost go ahead right now I am I I, I'm very pessimistic I don't think we see it happen I'm I'm with you on that I I totally agree I think that there's been a ton of smoke, but then you had something today with Steve Nash basically saying that Harden is not going to be traded. It sounds like if it was to happen, it's going to kind of catch us off guard on on kind of where he goes and what the package is, but I'm with you. Harry, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you guys. I'm skeptical. I think that like, I mean, there's a chance that all this reporting that we've heard from everybody around Daryl that he's like, Fuck it. I'm down to I'm down to just wait it out in this bunker. There's a chance that that's all smoke, you know, and and he's just trying to he's just trying to uh to kind of gain some leverage on the league. But I don't I don't know. I don't see it because I think that like the guys that you you named Yos, you know, Beal, Halliburton, these guys that make a lot of sense, I don't think they're very attainable for Ben Simmons right now, especially the way Halliburton's been playing. I mean, Beal has has not played to his standard, but it's you know, it's one of those things where just the way the Simmons situation is played out, which is, I think, even more bizarre than we all could have predicted at the beginning of the year. Like, this guy's given up almost $19 million, according to Ramona Shelburne, that if he wants, he's going to have to fight in court. He's going to have to go to arbitration. You know, um, for him to sit out this whole time and essentially tank his trade value, it, it's just making it real hard. I don't. The Warriors don't want any of that. I mean, they, they might win the title. You know, they were a destination that people were naming. Um, you know, like you said, Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn makes a lot of sense for them from a basketball standpoint, but I, I just don't think that they necessarily want to rock the boat because I think internally they think what you guys are saying, uh, you know, if everybody's healthy, one, eight matchup, they're not, they're not scared of anybody. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm with you. I, I'm skeptical. I don't see it. Let's go into the second category. Yos. Uh, reintroduce re the second category for us, please. The surprise trade, the trade that comes out of nowhere. And the big irony of this buckets is that I think that the only way that the trade that we think is not going to happen happens is if a Bradley Beal gets traded and, in this case, goes to Philadelphia. Um, I get what you're saying, Harry, about why would the – the Wizards have been a disaster after their hot start to the season. Montrez Terrell was talking about how he doesn't like the team and he's, you know – not happy about the culture and this this sucks type thing, you know, for his third consecutive team. Um, I, I and and Beal can become a free agent. He can leave for nothing um, if he decide, you know, if he decides to opt out, which he certainly will in in free agency. Um, there could be stuff rumbling beneath the surface to where you can get maybe Beal for less than what you could have gotten a, a year. And and I think Ben Simmons and two firsts and you know I don't want to trade Thibault. I don't want to. Maxi is not even a consideration to be traded, but is there enough stuff there to where it's like it makes sense for both teams? I don't think either is going to happen, or I don't think the trade is going to happen. Um, but again, I think Brad Beal consists of a surprise trade that nobody sees coming, a star moving teams. Um, and then I've got another one, but I'll let you guys get in with, uh, with yours. So mine, I love that Bradley Beal one, by the way. That is, I mean, there's been in the past, you know, some smoke of whether he's going to stay, whether he wants to leave. Apparently it's still that he wants to stay. So that would definitely um, be in that category for sure. Mine is going to, it might catch you guys off guard. Um, the thing I, I gotta, I, I, I'm curious about this one, because I've got one that you're going to love and I'm wondering if it's the same one. Um, well, do you guys want to take a hint? It's, it sounded like, Harry had a had an idea. You might have an idea too. Do you want to take a guess before I? It's a big name. It's a big name. Is it Julius Randle? No, that no. I'm no. I'm gonna let you I'm... say it, buckets, and I and I'll tell you if we're thinking about the same guy. So here's the thing: over the past month, month and a half, I think that as an organization, the Utah Jazz. Oh, I got it! I got yeah. it! <laughs> 
you have to take a look in the mirror and say, what are we doing here? I mean, we're not on the same level of the Suns, the Warriors, and now of the Grizzlies, we might not even beat the Lakers if they figure their shit out in a, in a best of seven. And then you lose Joe Ingles for the season. There's still rumors of beef between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. There's rumors that Donovan Mitchell is going to chase a prettier destination in the near future. This is all the making. Let's go, Max! This is all the makings. And then to top that all off, you have R.J. Barrett scoring a career high. You have R.J. Barrett's value rising at the right time. This is the makings of what you categorize as the surprise trade that nobody sees coming. The Jazz are stuck in a situation right now where making it out of the first round would be a great scenario. And the thing is, yes, trading Donovan would be catastrophic to the fan base because it's very rare that we get a player of his caliber wanting to do something in Utah. I'm not saying Jordan Clarkson is the same player at all. Offensively, if you want to talk about like the transition I don't know how much you would lose losing Donovan when you're going to get back a ton. And then you still have a guy like Clarkson, a guy like Conley. I don't know. Harry, you look just perplexed. What do you think? Well, I was trying to find a trade because I feel like (laughs) I misunderstood the assignment. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't co-sign this just because I think, I think RJ is is showing like a different kind of ceiling than he, and he has before. Wait, hold on, hold on. We have to – so, okay, just so we're clear. So, if Donovan Mitchell to the New York Knicks was possible, but R.J. Barrett was the headliner, how are – so are we – Well, R.J. Right? would have to be in it. I don't know how else you would make that work. I, I don't know. I can't see another – I mean, even with R.J. in it, I still I still think realistically Utah would not do that. I mean, Mitchell Mitchell has not been the problem for the Jazz. I mean, let's, let's just be yes. honest. He's – He's been, you know, every bit as good as advertised as a shooter. I mean, maybe physically he doesn't look quite as athletic as he did before, but it's, you know, it's tough to envision them doing that. If they did, RJ would have to be in it. If they did that, I don't think Knicks fans would be thrilled just because, like you said, RJ's stock has been rising so, so much. But I don't know if RJ's ceiling is ever going to be as high as what we've seen out of Donovan Mitchell. You're talking about somebody who put up 50 points multiple times in, in a, in a playoff series, almost willing his team to, uh, to the Western conference, uh, uh, championship against Denver. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's a lot better than the Russell Westbrook for like <laughs> Fournier <laughs> Burks yeah. and, uh, and Kemba deal. I think any, anything beats that. Um, do you think, yo, what do you think of the whole Donovan Mitchell thing? Well, Buckets, I literally have on my paper, my notes that I jotted down uh, earlier, you know, for this question. Jazz, Ingles out, Donovan, Rudy, Beef, and then in big question mark, sellers or buyers. I don't know what this, like, you know, like you're saying, like, what's their upside for this season? They've already lost a lot. You know, their two players have, you know, this week conveniently coming out. They don't like each other again. Um, I don't know if the Knicks deal is the option. I mean, another route if you wanted to go. If you didn't want to include RJ, the Knicks basically, aside from the pick that um, they owe uh, the Hawks through the Hornets, you know, they've got all of their, their first round picks coming up. Like, could you do a Julius and two firsts for, you know, a Donovan Mitchell or, or however you want to tip the scales? Julius, There's no Cameron. way they're moving. There's no way they're moving. Mitchell. I thought when you said, when you guys said Utah, I thought you were going to throw like a Conley deal at me. Wow. No. But no, I do think whole, I, I think it's, you know, Gobert or Mitchell. Yeah. Wow. But I, I do think that if, if Mitchell or Gobert was to go, that it could turn into a fire sale where Conley is moved at the deadline as well. But, you know, who knows? I mean, with the Jazz, the thing is that you look up and down their roster, and last year was probably their year. And the best they, shot. Yep. Yeah. They missed that window. And now that they missed it, it's like – it seems like it's teetering in the wrong direction. Ingles tears his ACL. Royce O'Neal has kind of regressed in, in a lot of ways. The only one Conley's kind of regressed. The only one that's kind of on the Gobert. uptick is Gobert. Yeah. And so it's like, do you trade him? I don't think now is the time. To, I mean, his value would never be higher. It's a very interesting team. At that's, the why, that's, why, that's why literally the question, like, are they buyers or sellers? We don't know. Like, or Stan we don't know. Pat. I think they're buyers. 
You think they're I, buyers? Think, I, I think they look at this West, and I, I just I think both conferences are wide open. I really do. I mean, I, 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 think, I, I, I think feel that way about the East. I think that the West, dude. I buy these Suns, man, and I buy these Grizz, and I kind of buy these Warriors too. Like, I don't. I, I I think Phoenix is 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 in a league of their own right now, but I think they're beatable. We saw Milwaukee beat them. I don't know. I, I I don't think I don't think Memphis is unbeatable. Like you guys have brought this up in the past before. Like with with the wrong matchup, I think Memphis could be a, a round one exit. Would you be shocked? I don't I don't think internally Luca the Luca the Luca matchup is looming. You know, yeah. just like Grant in the East, like that's a tough match. Fear for of God and anybody. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Luca would have gone past the Clippers if Kawhi didn't, you know, put in one of the all-time great performances before tearing his knee up. Like I just I don't think any of these teams in in the you know that aren't I'll put it I'll put it this way any of these teams that aren't in danger of falling in the play-in I don't think any of these teams think they don't have a shot at making the finals I think every single one of them looks at what Milwaukee did last year and what Phoenix did last year and they think we could do that like our guys are that talented for Utah to trade Donovan Mitchell would be a, a tank job they'd be tearing it down I, I don't see it happening ever that I mean. I can't wait to see what happens because I'm fascinated by the whole idea of trying to picture what the Utah Jazz could be talking about in their GM meetings this week. Yosef, what was the third one for the trade packages? Just the teams, the fire sale teams. So we've seen, we've seen two this year. Um, And obviously the Pacers today, um, do they have more uh, pieces they can move? And then the Blazers, I mean, getting off of Covington and, um, uh, Norm Powell uh, had 28 tonight uh, in a blowout loss. Uh, the Blazers, like, could we see CJ move? I don't think we're going to see anything with Dame with the injury, but, you know, do, do you have a, you know, I think Simon's, you know, you've been on him for a while now, Buckets. I mean, he, he he's the real deal. Like, he, he's he's a player, and, you know, he's going to command a lot of money. He's going to get a big sheet um, if the Blazers don't, you know, go out and offer him a contract. Like, you know, it wouldn't shock me if it totaled 80 mil, 100 mil. Like, he's been that good, you know, in, in restricted free agency. So, um, the the CJ thing is fascinating to me because he looked like he had regressed major at the beginning of this season, but now he looks like CJ McCollum. And you look at what teams are trading for guys with the Karis LeVert deal with – the Cam Reddish deal before that, which obviously Cam hasn't done much yet, but still, it seems like you can get guys for less than what we're accustomed to. And so you look at a guy like CJ, and I don't know what the team is. There's been rumors that it's Dallas. Um, I don't know if you guys have read anything else, but that would be a very, very interesting one. And the other thing that I wanted to mention on the topic of fire sale teams, the funniest part of that uh, whole fire sale narrative, the Sacramento Kings are like begging people to take their guys. <laughs> and people are just like, no, we're good. Like I just saw uh, before we started this, Marvin Bagley, the, the, the headline said something like, the Kings want to move Marvin Bagley badly. And it's like nobody really is interested in any of the Kings guys. But that's another team that you look around the roster, Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, maybe even Halliburton, although I would definitely want to keep him, but uh, Marvin Bagley. There's a, a couple teams that are going to be very intriguing fire sale teams. Harry, what are you thinking about this fire sale discussion? I, with the Kings, I, I'm, not sure why, I'm not sure why someone wouldn't take a flyer on, on someone like Barnes. Yeah. I think Barnes is a solid player. I mean, I think even Fox is like he's got a role in the league. He's he's not somebody who's like, um, you know, who's like a no fly zone for teams. I, you know, it's going to depend on the number um, that that his contract ends up being, you know, down the line. But he's a guy that's young, can't necessarily shoot. But if you have a team that can accommodate him, I mean, he's a serious, serious piece. Like I don't I don't understand why teams wouldn't take the Kings seriously. I mean, Bagley is another thing. They've been driving his trade value up since the beginning of the season, like playing him heavy minutes, trying to showcase what he's capable of. To me, he's just not really anything close to like even, you know, an above average NBA player, if, especially if you consider what he, what he can't do on the defensive end. Dude, think about Christian Wood and how you feel about him, better or worse, and then put Marvin Bagley right next to him. 
<laughs> and you think that Christian Wood is a flawed player, and he's still so much better than Marvin Bagley. He's what Marvin Bagley was supposed to be at a minimum. It's crazy how far his stock has fallen. Um, De'Aaron Fox is another one, man. He could be a sneaky star that, you know, we're not really talking about, but I, th- I think where there's smoke, there's fire there. I, I think that um, he could be moved. And I-, I talked about the Beal thing. I think the Wizards fall into a fire sale category as well because they've got pieces, whether it's a Trez, can he come off the bench for someone? Maybe they want to get off the KCP money. Another guy, you know, maybe that should be a category. Like we're begging you to take this guy off our hands for Spencer Dinwiddie. Russell Westbrook would fall in that category. Um, I, I think the Wizards are in that group, too, in, in terms of teams trying to get off of guys. Maybe the Pistons with a Kelly Olenek, um, but, you know, maybe OKC with the Derek Favors. But I have, a, um, I have a sneaky fire sale team. Yes. Let's hear it. It's the Knicks. Oh. Because not the even Knicks- sneaky. <laughs> I buried the lead there. That's not, not even sneaky. Not sneaky, but the, the, Knicks have, the Knicks are in this, like, really weird spot where – they came into the season trying to build a legit playoff contender, which seems laughable now. But, I mean, it, it was reasonable at the time. Um, but they have two distinct groups of guys on their team, right? They have, like, a, a huge, like, fissure, like a big divide of, like, young guys that need to get a little more burn uh, and old guys that suck ass. <laughs> They're, like, really, really bad. And so, like, they just need to figure out how to unload something. I mean, do, which way do you want to go? You know, and it's, you know, the record right now suggests that, okay, we need to start playing, you know, Grimes has looked, has shown really, really Very good. You know, great flashes recently. Uh, you know, someone like Cam Reddish, you guys brought up, we just traded for, can't get off the bench. Tibbs, what are you doing? He has, he's played like one minute. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Quickly uh, is up and down, but he's looked electric recently. You know, RJ is, is young. And some of the older guys have shown nothing whatsoever. But, you know, it's one of those awkward situations where they're proving they're making a lot of money. Uh, you either have to play them or move them. And I think, I think you could see the Knicks try, you know, it's easier said than done. But to move some of those guys that have, have been really underwhelming. So, Hare, why are you against, and we've made this uh, suggestion as a joke, but, like, why can't you scratch my back, I scratch yours with the Lakers? Like, Russell Westbrook, get off some of those bad contracts, whatever bad money. Like, let's get the definitive answer here. You're in. I mean, consolidate. Why not? Consolidate. Westbrook comes off the books the year after, or actually after this year, you know, the year after, you know, he'll be off your books. You can get off some of that salary. He'll be exciting. He'll take bad shots. You know, he can do what he did with the Wizards last year for your team and at least make it interesting. And it's not like it's a super long-term investment. Maybe it's an expiring contract if you want to trade for someone uh, into next year. First of all, you're 100% right about the contract situation. It actually makes sense because you want to consolidate multiple bad contracts in a one bad contract that's going to get off the books very soon. Second, He's the most perfect Knicks player of all time. Perfect. I mean, he, in every just, way. In every single way, he's like the perfect New York Knicks player. And it's destined to happen. Number zero, let's get your jersey up in the rafters. Come on down. We, we just figured out that Harrison Liao is a masochist. Is that what it's called when you like to self-torture? I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So here's the thing, man. I mean, as the resident bandwagon Laker fan on the pod – I've watched too much Russell Westbrook this season, and there is just nothing nice that I can say anymore. He had a moment there when LeBron was out. He will have moments when he's the guy. That's the thing. When the ball is in his hands, he will look good. But your ceiling is like what you're at right now, 24 and 29, and it's going to be a painful 24 and 29 because you're going to see that glimmer of hope night like one night a week or two nights a week you'll see that glimmer of hope and then it'll just get crushed by a like the worst timing of a westbrook clank off of the top of the backboard um sh- shout Dude, out it's to crazy because it's it'll be from like 12 feet it's crazy <laughs> and that was a shot that he was you know he would hit that oh, even it was money it was and money. Destroyed drop coverages with that shot, buckets. It's yeah. just not there anymore. It's yeah, just the, not there anymore. It used to be like when he was in OKC, the low man off the off a screen roll. If he was too far off, that little mid range, that little midi off the glass was it was it was automatic. Like I I don't know how you forget how to shoot that shot. It's so weird. 
I mean, part of it is definitely the fact that he has 20,000 people last night screaming at him to not <laughs> shoot when he was open in the corner. Um, and then he had Carmelo and a couple he other. He got him in the corner, though. That's been the only shot he's had, the corner three. The thing is, he, if he's wide open, he needs to shoot it. It's the whole Ben Simmons thing. If no, he's going to leave you that open, you need to shoot the ball. But, Yos, I want to get to the, the last – what was the fourth one of the – So it's just a, a contender adding a piece. And so we can look at the, um, the Karis LeVert trade um, to Cleveland as an example of that potentially. Um, Cleveland, what a story. Example was, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Marcus Saul to Toronto. So is there any, you know, guy out there, maybe it's a Jeremy Grant type caliber player who can really help a contender and, you know, not push them over the top necessarily, but help them jump a level in terms of their playoff outlook, how good they can be. So for, for me, the, the one that stands out to me, he was rumored to be on the market. I think I read this yesterday or the day before. But the thing is, now his team is in 10th place in the West. I don't know what their goal is. The Pelicans, I just, I really like Josh Hart. And I think that he's the type of guy that can help do the little things that a, a winning team desperately needs. He's a guard that'll grab 10 plus rebounds in a game. He'll chase down that crucial offensive rebound late in a playoff game and potentially save you in that kind of setting. But the thing is, now that the Pelicans are in 10th, <laughs> we talk, I'm, I'm speaking as if 10th place is something to, to be proud of. But I don't know what their plan is now. Do they, do they try to stay in 10th and keep their guys and maybe get maybe Zion back and push to maybe get into the first round of the playoffs? I don't know what their objective is, but I would love to see Josh Hart on any time. Like any contender, I think, could make use of him. A team like Dallas, I would find very interesting. Go ahead, Harry. I just I want to interrupt because I just put this into the trade machine, right? Josh Hart and Willie Hernan Gomez for Duncan Robinson. Wow. So I to me to me this is the quintessential Miami Heat. Pat Riley. He always wants to kind of like drive the knife a little further, right? That's crazy. Everybody's That's looking. Everybody's looking at Miami like okay at full strength. At full strength, this team might be the best team in the East with Milwaukee and Brooklyn kind of you know looking very shaky. And I think, I think Pat Riley wants to, you know, really cement by the trade deadline their status as, like, the top dogs in the East. And I think you could be – look. Josh Hart is a perfect Miami Heat guy. Hustles his ass off, plays way bigger than his size. And Duncan Robinson is a guy that they're trying to – you know, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of noise that they're trying to get off of right now. He's had a horrible shooting season. Hasn't been the guy as advertised whatsoever. Um, I don't know. I could definitely see something like that happening. I love that one. That was um, – so did you – oh, you said Hernan Gomez and Hart for, for Robinson. Was that, that was it, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's the trade. That would be fascinating. Do you have one, Yos? I think Jeremy Grant, you know, is the guy I have my eye on for a player. And then the team, you said it. I mean, what are the Mavericks going to do to get something around Luka? Um, that, that's, that's the big question, but I think that they're going to be a team that's going to look to be active to add a piece. They're not a contender. I mean, they're a contender. What did you say? I just said it's hard for Dallas to move anybody. because They've got no I mean, assets. They've got no piece, assets. Yeah, their pieces are Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith, both guys that they kind of need. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think they're going to be aggressive in terms of trying to get something done. Um, Jeremy Grant, I mean, we had we heard the Chicago rumors. I think that's shut down, and I think that Chicago's going to stand pat and hope that Paul getting back healthy is going to help their, their need there. Um, but I, I think that Jeremy Grant is someone that could get moved and could, you know, be an asset to a team. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who the contender is. I mean, you look at the contenders. Phoenix, I think they're going to stand pat. Um, Golden State, maybe they could, but I think that they want to keep their young guys, and I think they like the group they have. Um, they're, you know, they just need to get Draymond, Draymond back healthy. I don't think if I'm Memphis, I'm not touching a thing. Like, I'm certainly not moving someone from that locker room out of that locker room. And it's like if I can get like some someone for nothing, basically, who's like you know an eleventh man or or whatever, fine. But you can't touch anything. So. Maybe there's just not that trade this year in terms of uh, a Marcus all going to a Toronto in terms of being that 
player that helps a, a contender. Um, you look at the contenders and I don't know, maybe we don't get that trade aside from the Karis Levert one. What about Marcus Smart? You know, I, I, the Celtics are trending upward right now. So maybe that makes it a little bit harder for them to like deal that because like Marcus is the heart and soul of their team. But someone like Marcus Smart could be super interesting for a, a ton of contenders. I just think that now it seems like they have lessened the role of Schroeder and they've kind of found that they do this every year. <laughs> they found that sweet spot with Marcus Smart as the starting point guard. And I'm making an ugly face as, as I say this, cause I don't like it. But the thing is that it seems like they found that niche that they like him in. And I would be surprised if you asked me that three weeks ago, I would have said, yes, now it seems like Dennis is on the way out. And now it seems like Josh Richardson and Marcus Smart are the guys that are helping them win games and realizing what is needed for them to actually compete. But again, the Celtics haven't really beaten anybody along this win streak that's noteworthy besides yeah. the Heat. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good suggestion to bring up. I definitely think that they're going to listen to offers for him, but I don't see him getting moved. Where, where do we think Sabonis goes? I think they keep him. You think they keep him? Do you think they sell him uh, hair? I mean, I think if it's Philly, they do. I, th I think if, if somehow there's a way to work that out, I think I could see that. But other, other than that, I'm not sure. I don't think so. What about Miles Turner buckets? It still seems to me that he's going to end up somehow on the Hornets. I really I think it's just a match made in heaven, and it's been a match made in that heaven for, for, yeah, for months. And it just seems like it's like, you know, when two people are just like, so who's going to make the move here? And it just feels like with the Hornets, you know, we, we saw the rumor today. It was another rumor. P.J. Washington is on the yeah. block. They need a center. It's like, yeah, no shit. We've, they've needed a center for <laughs> the whole season. But, you know, what do you think, Harry? The P.J. Washington thing to me is weird. It's like, why, why are they in such a rush to throw this guy in every trade? I get he's their best, like, trade asset. But he's, he's good, and he's, he's young, and he's like – he can shoot like he's a very modern player. I'm yeah. not really sure, but I, I mean, you know, I, I do to answer your question. I do, I think Miles Turner gets traded. I think this is right now the time that the Pacers have evaluated. Like guys, we have tried this Turner Sabonis thing for however many years it's been. It has not worked. Somebody needs to go, and it's pretty clear that they prefer Sabonis over Turner because Sabonis is a better player. And you know. Really quickly, Yos, the, the, the Turner thing, the Lakers, I, I mean, considering, again, what these players are going for right now at the deadline, the Lakers have no assets. Let's make that very clear. But, you know, crazier things have happened. And if AD really is adamant about being a power forward still, the Miles Turner-Anthony Davis defensive duo. Oh, that works. That would be crazy. And I really think that, you know, maybe you can even make it work then with Russ still in the lineup if you have LeBron, Turner, and, and Davis. I feel like on offense that works too because Turner, Turner likes to space the floor. Yeah. The biggest name who could be moved, the biggest name who will be moved. Ooh. Biggest name that could be Ben Simmons, right, for sure. Well, Okay. Biggest thing that will be moved. I'll tell you mine. So the biggest name to me that could be moved is Brad Beal. The biggest okay. name that will be moved, I think Sabonis is gone, man. I think that someone sneaky is wow. going to come and grab him, whether it's a Charlotte, like I've heard, you know, Memphis, Golden State, like as I, I again, I don't think Memphis is touching their chemistry, but I've heard, you know, Someone suggested, I think it was on the mismatch, someone was, you know, one of the two, Verno or KOC, mentioned it. And then Golden State, like, if they want to, like, you know, Wiseman might be a bus, guys. Like, you might have to, like, cash in the sticker appeal and put pieces around that for something. Um, I think something happens with Sabonis. So, again, my could be moved, Brad Beal will be moved. I think Sabonis is going somewhere, guys. I don't know where, but I think he's gone. You know what I think drive, could drive the Sabonis thing like to to a point to a, to a boiling point where he has to be traded. He could see that there are other options for him right now, right? Like he could his agent or whoever could be like, "Hey man, like I'm hearing like Golden State would be would is willing to take a fire on you." And he could go to his front office and be like, 
hey, man, just so you know, I'm not sticking around. Like how, you know, you can keep me around for the rest of the season, but I, I'm not going to be here. You know, I that could really like change the equation where we could see him choose between, because right now he's, he's going to have the most suitors right now than he has probably for the rest of his career. Like as far as the, the, the amount of options that he has. But yeah. I mean, it could get really interesting. The, uh, to answer your question, Yos, the could be moved. The biggest name to me still is James Harden. Um, and the will be moved. And you mentioned this earlier with, with Halliburton having such a productive time at point guard. I think De'Aaron Fox is going to get traded mm. and, I don't know where, but I, I do think that his time in Sacramento will come to an end. And met, on top of that, Davion Mitchell has looked good as a starting shooting guard. Now, the Kings are still a freaking mess, but, you know, there is some potential there with the Halliburton-Mitchell backcourt, I think, from what the small sample sizes that we've seen. Um, with that being said, Zoom is going to kick us out very soon. So is there anything else that you guys want to touch on before we get on, get on out of here? Could be moved. Donovan Mitchell will be moved. Russell Westbrook. Bring him Let's go. Up. I love it. I love it. So, He's so, a big name. He's via, a big name. He's via, a bigger name than Sabonis. Hall via, of Famer. Top 75 player. Via trade or via buyout? <laughs> <laughs> no, that I was not it. even – I wasn't even saying that in a rude way. I Let's think, go. I don't know. Let's go. Do you dude, LA is a big market. Play. It's not that big. They're not buying this dude out of like a yeah. seven – Billion dollar contract. Rest to the Knicks. Rest to the Knicks. By the way, Buckets, you said the Harden thing. I didn't include him because, uh, as both you and Harry mentioned, the Steve Nash coming out saying, oh, we're not trading him. But as you pointed out, th there's been precedent set. Boogie Cousins, after being traded to the Pelicans, says that he said that he was told he wouldn't be traded, perhaps not as publicly, but, you know, just just keep an eye on that Harden thing. We'll see. I don't think Steve Nash is that kind of guy, though. I don't think, like, I, he strikes yeah, me yeah. as, like, a decent guy who wouldn't want to do that. But who knows, man? There's been precedent. And when I brought that up earlier, Harry made a fantastic point that it is not Vivek Ranadive and Vlade Divac running the show uh, in Brooklyn. So, we, you know, I trust Steve a little bit more than I trusted those two. Um, in terms Stauskas? of <laughs> Yeah. Stauskas? We'll see. But, I mean – it's going to be fascinating. Again, when you talk about precedent, it's not the only time that that's happened. Kyrie famously promised Boston that he was staying. Now, this is different because Kyrie had a little bit more autonomy over his decision than I think Nash or even Harden have over what's going to happen there. But we don't know. I, I don't take full, like, I don't take what Steve Nash says completely, you know, to be truth. But I also think that it's probably likely that he is not going to get traded. Is that it, guys? Is there anything else that we want to touch on? The uh, Okay, so as it currently stands, really quickly, just wanted to point out because you guys give me shit for this. Uh, the Chicago Bulls are in second place in the Eastern Conference. I don't think we mentioned uh, anything about Brazilian. that. Yeah, but, you know, we'll see what happens. They got to get healthy. Um, the Sixers... Pat Will is coming back. Sixers beat our ass today again, so... Yo, I rookie of the year. We we will see. Until next time, guys. We are out of here.